1: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. Uh, Going to be hitting a topic that we talked about this a couple years ago. It's so wild to say that uh, chemistry versus compatibility. I know we talked about that a couple years ago. I've sp- I, I mentioned it a few times quickly and um, actually two different people, uh, doesn't sound like a big number, but often people come at me with different topics. But two people last week had actually asked me to circle back and talk about it because I guess I had referenced it quickly and they were like, hey, go back through that. Of course, we are channelq.com is where you can find past episodes. Uh, we'll do a little bit of a crash course in it. I think it's an important topic as people get divorced, people re-enter the dating world, people are newly single, people are opening up their relationships, stepping into different kind of styles and configurations. And um, I think it's also something that people that are already in a long-term or committed relationship can also benefit from by looking at what might be lacking within these concepts and how to kind of amp that up or bring that back in. Um, again, all my topics are applicable to everyone and everything. You just have to sometimes get creative and understanding that although I'm using one entry point, it doesn't mean it can't necessarily apply in a more ubiquitous way. Um, so let's kind of just jump right in. I think this is such an exciting topic at the same time. I mean, I like to think all the topics I talk about are exciting. You know, I don't talk about things that I think are boring. Um, anyway, here we go. So. Chemistry versus compatibility. There are two processes that are very different and often get very confused. I, I notice that with general psychology, people are always collapsing things that maybe are completely separate into the same thing. So just very quick shorthand, chemistry is something that uh, when we're talking about chemistry, we're talking about desire, we're talking about attraction, we're talking about arousal, we're talking about hunger for someone. That's chemistry. It's the constellation of all those things that draw us towards someone make us interested in them it's that energy that spice that fire compatibility is kind of outside of that and that's really about their attachment style their relational orientation the intimacy needs they have how much intimacy they want um how they deal with conflict what happens when two people's nervous systems or personality styles come together how we manage differences so compatibility it's not quite like this but chemistry is more of the the sexual romantic and compatibility is more of the relational so compatibility is what do we like just as people in the day-to-day where chemistry is more about the sexuality and the attraction Um, and here's why it matters because some people misunderstand which one is more important for long-term happy relationship and they'll and they'll get lost in that compatibility is about your long-term potential. Compatibility helps us better understand what our mental health will be like while we're with this person. What kind of impact this relationship will have on our quality of life, that's compatibility. Compatibility is about how safe I feel with this person. Compatibility helps me trust, you know? Compatibility is about how well do you work as a unit? Because when people form a relationship, they become a unit and they have to deal with parenting and, and picking a restaurant and maybe cohabitating and different styles. Uh, It's about ethics and values, how in sync we are, you know, and compatibility takes time to assess. We have to actually experience things with them. We can't assess compatibility from the door. We can't assess compatibility from one, two or three dates. We can't assess true compatibility based on a list of attributes on someone's um, dating app. It takes time. We have to actually experience things together to see what it's like to travel with this person, to experience a holiday with this person. What's it like during conflict? What's it like during difficult times? All of that. And so we have to go through milestones. And so I don't want people to make long-term commitments or things they can't take back until they've been given the opportunity to really have some time go by to check in on compatibility. Chemistry is what literally drives people quicker and faster. Chemistry is attraction. It is immediate. You look at someone's photo, they, they, they walk to the table on the first date towards you, you can assess chemistry. How drawn to them are you? How attracted to them are you? How much do you desire them? It's usually immediate. Can it grow as you get to know other aspects of them? Sure. But compatibility cannot exist immediately. It requires time and experience. Where, compa- where chemistry can be immediate, and can also shift over time, but you can get a good baseline at at, at immediate, Um, and it really comes to more of the physical, the physical and the aesthetic, although personality, style, and all these other pieces matter as well, and chemistry tends to be more hormonal and lust-driven, where compatibility is really based on our attachment system, and again, that kicks in a little bit further down the road, Um, so we're going to kind of break down these two differences more and talk about what, what does it look like if you only have one and not the other? Um, what are the benefits? What are the assets? What are the negatives? All of that. What are the limits? Uh, and, and not confusing these two is very vital because a lot of people think if the chemistry is there, well, then inherently we assume compatibility is or will be, and that's not true. They're two different processes. Just like, Just because you're attracted to someone doesn't mean the sex is going to pan out or go well. And that's why I tell people you have to have sex sooner than later before making a commitment. It's its own level of chemistry and compatibility. So we're going to be breaking all that on down. And of course, y'all, we'll be doing those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Line IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to circle back to, drop deeper into, and past episodes of the show over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Lots of good stuff over there. And uh, while you're over there, check out some of the other shows. You know? Um, but don't go anywhere because this just might be what revitalizes your relationship um, or uh, really helps you make a decision about taking the next step, you know. Um, all right, stick around. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all. We'll be right back and uh, got a lot more to come.
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: All right, y'all. We are back and uh, talking about chemistry and compatibility. Really, really important to understand the distinction because they can lead to a lot of errors down the road where people assume sustainability. Um, you know, chemistry is immediate. Yes, it can ebb and flow and change a little bit, but there's an immediacy to it where we are how, drawn are, how drawn to this person are we? How attracted to them are we? That's right there. It's very physical, lust-driven, hormonal, great. Compatibility, that takes time. We have to actually go through some milestones, some life events with them. What is it like when I'm depressed to be with them? What is it like during a typical work week? What is it like during a holiday? What is it like when I lose someone? Um, what is it like when we have conflict? We have to actually experience things. How safe are we? How much can I trust? Do we work well together? Do we have similar ethics and values? So it takes time to assess that. And one doesn't promise the other. Just because you're compatible doesn't mean that there's a lot of fire and chemistry. Just because you have a lot of attraction in chemistry doesn't mean you work thing, through things well and are a good couple. And that's the problem. Some couples, they're drawn to each other, the sex is great, and they're like, we're good. And it's like, well, no. That's a small percentage. What's it like when you're sitting at dinner with them? What's it like when you're having a difficult time? Can you turn to them? That's all compatibility, and it takes time to assess that. Um, So compatibility, if we have a lot of that, meaning, again, our personalities vibe really well. We are really good at conflict. We have a lot of good conversations, um, a lot of trust. If we have compatibility, but we have have no chemistry, meaning not really drawn to them sexually, uh, attracted but not a lot of fire, we're going to get along well. You're gonna get along great, but there's gonna be a low level of sex and passion. So it's essentially gonna feel more like a friendship if you have compatibility, but no chemistry. You might question it a lot. There might be some ambivalence, um, but it's gonna be more friendship driven. Lots of chat, lots of talk, but low to maybe even no sex because there's no chemistry. There's no fire or passion. Now, if you have tons of chemistry, fire and passion and attraction, but no compatibility, that means you're gonna have great sex, lots of passion, but you're also gonna have lots of conflict. Really sit with that one. Um, Lots of conflict, lots of tension, and lots of fighting. So if you have tons of chemistry, but no compatibility, meaning relationally, during the day, getting through the day we don't do well, you really should just be sex partners. You're better as hookups. (laughs) It feels so right, but it's really wrong, you know? Chemistry with no compatibility is not a good idea for a long-term relationship, because you don't manage conflict or difference as well. You like to do different things with your time, different value systems, just have sex. <laughs> it's a really funny thing to say it like that. Ideally, you want both. You get along well, compatibility-wise, a lot of a lot in common, but then you also are attracted to and enjoy each other. Um, both can be worked on to an extent. Chemistry, less so. I happily, actually, as a sex therapist, can't create desire and attraction if it's not there. And I'm glad, I don't want it. that's almost like conversion therapy. I don't wanna be able to dictate what someone's turned on by. But what I can do within chemistry is not creative. It if it's not there at all. I can't create attraction if it's not there, but we can work with what is and kind of maybe try to amp it up a little bit if it's already there, but it has to already be there. We shouldn't be in long-term committed monogamous relationships with people we're not attracted to unless you're cool with low to no sex and you really just do want a companion friendship style relationship, which some people do. That's cool. But if you want a long-term sex life, you have to have chemistry and get along with them but some people just go with the chemistry. They're like, they're hot. It doesn't matter that we fight a lot. It doesn't mean we have differing opinions. It's like, yikes. Um, and that's where it really becomes a choice. And that's what I say to people, just cause you're attracted to someone and want a relationship with them doesn't mean that you're compatible. Doesn't mean that you have nervous systems that work well. Doesn't mean that your traumas align. Sometimes, unfortunately, we might wanna be with someone and we might be attracted to them and the sex might be great, but based on who we are, what we've been through, what we want, we just can't quite pull it off outside of the sex. Which again, remember, in the typical day, sex represents anything from zero to like 10%. The rest of the time is when we're grocery shopping, when we're having dinner, when we're going for a walk, when we're figuring out what we want in our lives that that matters more. And that's the compatibility stuff. So again, there is some work we can do around that chemistry far, far harder. Um, and the, the compatibility is really what therapy can help with. And that's about first off learning what your triggers are. And, you know, that's something that we've done, I think, pretty much a whole show on is the importance of really understanding what triggers are about. And, and that's going to be the work of anyone who wants to be in a relationship is doing that work. Um, triggers tell us what our work is. Triggers are not about us. you know. Uh, how do I say this? So often when we're triggered, we want to problematize or blame the person who triggered us as though the issue is what they did. And it's like, well, sometimes, but more so it's showing us where we need some healing. Because I don't want to have so many triggers that I'm walking around getting them set off all the time. I want to resolve all of them as much as I can so they don't exist anymore. And every time someone triggers me, it gives me an opportunity to go, ah, yes, there's that one and I need to work on it, obviously. So it's not for us to use this concept to police other people's behavior or shame it um, because it's okay to make your partner uncomfortable. Hear me say that. Um, It's okay to say to your partner, yeah, I'm sorry, I don't agree with that. Or you know, I have to let you know an aspect of myself they might not be happy with. Like, it's okay to let down, disappoint, or make your partner uncomfortable. Um, And in doing so, you'll sometimes set them off and you're giving them a chance to work on this. And that's really, really, really important. Some people have so many triggers that they're constantly making their partner responsible and the partner feels like they're walking around on eggshells. That's not what we're talking about, you know? So acknowledge them as, again, a mirror being held up saying, work on this, you know? have to understand again that when we're dating or in a relationship someone's in our care and we impact the mental health we want to identify what we might be doing also that's destructive for them or the relationship again that's part of the work of compatibility some people sadly think if we're a good match that will never have triggers and there'll be no work to be done it's like that doesn't really exist if you've found that god bless i don't really buy into it 100 but there's always going to be a something. And I've said this on many other shows, otherwise you're looking for perfection. Perfection doesn't exist. And so you have to be willing to allow some things. There are a bulk of things that are not resolvable and that that is what it will mean to be, you will always be managing that while with this person, we cannot resolve everything. Some things we can heal completely. Some things we can improve and some things are never going anywhere. We only have so much control you know? Um, all right. We're going to come back and keep talking about this. Uh, compatibility, chemistry, triggers, all the stuff that really sets us up to uh, succeed or fail in relationships. So stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Y'all will be right back. All right, y'all, we are back and we're uh, making a break in your relationship, talking about chemistry versus compatibility, the work around triggers, because these are the things that really, really, really make a relationship feel good and robust and healthy or quite the opposite. When you're triggered, that is a sign that you have more work to do. It's about you. It's not about the other person. That is going to happen. We're not going for perfect. We can resolve some things. We can improve some things, and other things are just always gonna be there. And you have to get really good at understanding nothing's gonna be perfect. My partner's allowed to disappoint and upset me. Their job isn't to change their behavior so that I'm never disturbed, doesn't work like that. You know, when we come into a relationship, it's two people, Both both of their needs matter. No one's needs or feelings matter more than the other person's. And we both get to live our lives happily. Relationship isn't about losing ourselves or shrinking down. It's about finding someone who we vibe with so we can be companions on the journey and transform each other. And so it's not just about attraction and chemistry it's also about compatibility what are our personalities like how do we resolve conflict that that's what matters more for longer term health Um, so we want to understand what our triggers are we want to identify the destructive things that we might be bringing forward into our current relationship and work on changing that again notice i'm always talking about us changing ourselves this is about trying to change the other person although there's a place for sharing some of that with them but we want to first start with us looking at what am i doing to contribute to this how am i creating this what am i bringing in um and it usually centers around connection versus disconnection most fights are over emotional disconnection i feel like i lost you in the moment or totally or i'm afraid of it and that leads to two things demanding and clinging or withdrawing and detaching and that's, that's the two directions a lot of people go. Healthy people lean in and communicate softly. Hey, this is what I'm feeling, this is what I'm thinking. Can we talk about this? But most of us aren't that. That's the secure attached. Most of us either demand and cling for comfort and reassurance, or we withdraw and detach to soothe and protect ourselves. These are defense mechanisms and we don't wanna do either. <laughs> we don't wanna demand and cling. We don't wanna withdraw and detach. We wanna settle ourselves down. We talked about self-soothing the other day and we wanna lean in and check in and say, hey, this is what I'm thinking and feeling. Is this correct? We're on, we're on the same team. Um, if you don't, if you remember nothing else, just remember that. Like you're in this together in a healthy relationship anyway and I'm always assuming you are. Um, because again, if you're curious about something, ask. If you've got a question, ask. If you wanna know what's going on, ask. I wanna build the kind of robust relationships where people can be transparent and vulnerable and say, let's check in on this. This is what I'm thinking, this is what I'm feeling. Is this true, is this how you feel? But instead, we tend to lean out, or again, we start attacking versus staying soft and saying, this is what I'm noticing. Can we check in on this? Again, which is why I'm always advocating for every couple months, at least every year, as I say, every relationship sitting down and saying, how's this been going? What do we need to change? And each partner is saying to the other, what do you need from me? What do you need from me to be different? I always start couple sessions that way. What kind of partner have you been over the week? Call yourself out. What do you need to do more of? What do you need to do less of? What kind of partner have you been? What does your partner need more from you? What more does your relationship need? We start with ourselves. We're always assessing ourselves first before we start looking at what the other person's doing or not doing. It's a big one. And that throws a lot of people off, you know? Um, <clears throat> because we forget that we're on the, side, in, on the same side and the same team. We're so used to this American adversarial competitive perspective. We're even in our romantic relationships, which are inherently supposed to be centered around, like I said, companionship and care and support, you know, a safe haven to go to in tough times, a secure base from which to go out into the world, being encouraged and supported. That's the ideal. But instead of that, we often feel like we took on more work or we took on an adversary and we're battling for one of us to be right or correct. And as we say all the time, all solutions should be mutually beneficial. Anytime you're processing something or making a decision, you should consider the impact it has on your relationship and your partner. You should be protecting each other and the relationship from everything else that's going on in the world. But we don't have that perspective because we're a very competitive culture. And we even, like I said, do that with each other in our romantic primary relationships. It's really, really, really sad. Um, that causes so many problems. So many things could be solved if we just, were, you know, better partners with things, um, which is why I'm always trying to advocate for those changes, you know, on the show. Um, and then that even pushes us into this other topic. Let's talk about this for a second. The difference between a boundary and a rule. I feel like a lot of people don't even understand that they go into relationships, setting rules. Um, no adult gets to tell another adult what to do or how to be. Boundaries are about us where we talk about what we're doing. Rules are where we make demands on others, and adults shouldn't have rules. It should be mutually agreed upon, mutually beneficial, and then we're all happy and we're all on board. If your partner isn't interested in how things impact you, then you're in a bad relationship and none of this, none of this is even gonna matter. Be with people that care enough about you in the relationship where of course they want to make sure that everyone's happy and that rules don't need to exist because rules are about anxiety and control. But when we're in a relationship with someone we trust and we know cares about us, we just start having to set boundaries. Um, when we come back, we're gonna do some DMs and then we'll talk about rules versus boundaries because I think it's a very misused, misunderstood and often weapon weaponized concept. Um, where adults are harming and trying to control each other. And in a healthy relationship, we're all on the same team looking out for each other. And we know that, and we see that, and we trust that. And so then rules aren't even necessary. I love the idea of let your partner just do what they do. And that will tell you how much they care and respect you. And in a healthy relationship, they would never do anything to harm you or the relationship ever, not consciously. And since you buy into that, if a mistake happens, they apologize and you move on. But if you can't imagine anything other than that, then you're in a toxic, unsafe relationship and I can't help you. So stick around, we got more to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back y'all, so uh, don't go anywhere. All right y'all, we are back and now it's time to slide into those DMs.
0: Sliding into the DMs.
2: This one says, hey Dr. Chris, this friend is dating this girl. They've been together for like three years recently I just found out that he has been seeing his ex uh okay so your best friend who's been dating a girl for three years also is seeing his ex I think that's what you're telling me he told me casually (laughs) just kind of dropped that huh uh that they just kind of see each other every once in a while but I don't agree with it I know it literally has nothing to do with me but it's not fair to watch him hurt her like that and I've gotten really close to his girlfriend Is there a way I can convince him to tell her without me saying it? I guess I'm a little unclear. Is he just seeing her or are they being sexual together and romantic? Is he in a monogamous relationship with a girlfriend of three years? I have so many questions because people are allowed to be friends with their exes. There is nothing wrong with that. I'm friends with all of my exes. They will always be a part of my life. I will always continue to see them. And whoever I'm in a current relationship with, if they don't trust me enough to be comfortable with that, well, then they shouldn't be with me because they don't trust me. And I'm very much worthy of trust. And I don't want to be around people that put weird, arbitrary controls and boundaries on me. my exes, much like maybe this person, have been in my life for a long time, and I love them deeply, and just because we're not romantic or sexual doesn't mean I don't get to have access to the other parts of them I enjoy, and it's about boundaries and trust, and I, I would never be willing to be with someone who didn't understand or agree with that. I'm not removing people from my life when someone new enters, because I don't accommodate people's anxiety or their jealousy when it's inappropriate. You don't have to honor people's inappropriate jealousy. Hear that. Lovingly try to help them process it. you have right to say, yeah, I don't agree with that. I'm sorry you're jealous of me seeing my ex. I'm worthy of trust, if you really are. If you're not, well then, shame on you. But if you're worthy of trust and the boundaries are in place, you have right to say, yeah, I'm sorry I can't honor that that's not appropriate jealousy we don't just because someone's made anxious by something doesn't mean we have to honor it people have to learn how to manage their anxiety if it's not appropriate and it's not appropriate to try to control another human being if they're worthy of trust but as i always say if you're dating someone who you can't trust please stop dating them because the work is either they're not worthy of trust get the heck out or you need to learn how to trust if someone is worthy of trust and that's a great time to practice that We don't enter people's lives and people don't bring us into their lives to make their, our lives harder and to have us controlled and to make our lives shrink. Now, if it is an inappropriate version of that, be a good friend and call them out. Yo, dude, knock that off. I'm friends with your girlfriend. That's crap. And, and also I would say to him, don't you put me in positions like that. If I had a friend and I was friends with their partner, and they told me and put me in a position where I had to keep a secret like that, I'd be pissed. I would be like, you do not put me in positions like that where I have to hold a secret for you. And at that point, I'd say, you need to to handle this or I'm gonna handle it, because I wouldn't be forced to keep secrets. I'm not gonna do that. But I also don't hang out with people that do things like that. And I would lovingly be a good friend and coach my friends to have more ethics than to be, if monogamous with one, still seeing or sleeping with someone else. That's a sexual health issue, about STDs and STIs, that is a breach of trust and care. When we're dating someone, they are in our care. And if we don't take that seriously, then we are not healthy enough to be dated. So there's so much work in that. Some jealousy is appropriate, some isn't. But you need to say to your friend, I'm not holding a secret like that for you, how dare you? And I care for you, and I care for my friend who's your girlfriend. And I will tell her if you don't tell her, clean it up. And there's your answer, because that's an unfair thing to do. So there's kind of a lot in there and I have some more questions to kind of clarify that, but I think we got the main points across. Just be nice, like that's really what it all comes down to. You know, We're very self-centered often in our decision-making and we don't consider how others are impacted and we need to. Um, And breaking trust like that is really hard to get back. And I, as the friend, would struggle to trust my other friend if I knew that they were willing and capable to do things like that so tell him outright to clean it up or you're going to clean it up and tell him not to put you in that position again and ask him to check in with his ethics you know alright so If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. In the question, uh, in the DMs, I guess I just said that. Uh, any questions you got? You're helping others as you're helping yourself. Always anonymous and confidential. And uh, maybe you got a topic you want us to hit or something you want us to circle back to. Love hearing about that as well. Past episodes of the show, you can re-listen to all of our episodes and DMs. That's over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Lots of good stuff. Um, stick around. We got a we got a whole lot more to come, y'all. Don't go anywhere when that music comes on. You dance, but when you go to wearechannelq.com, check out some of those other shows as well. Good stuff over there. All right, y'all. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris and Channel Q. We'll be right back. All right, we're back, and uh, just to continue the conversation around boundaries and rules, you know, one thing I want everyone to remember is that we don't want to live from our anxiety. And what's going to be a really good important thing is letting go a little bit. And you know it's our anxiety that wants us to tighten the grip. It's our anxiety and lack of trust that wants us to put in place all these structures and a lot of policing, going through phones, going through laptops. Um, And what happens is when we're anxious, instead of getting to the core of the problem, which is I don't know if I can learn to trust or if I trust my partner, we tend to put all these other things in place. But what really matters more is how valued we feel. What's the quality of the relationship? And all these all, all these other structures and attempt at control and policing and role creating won't ever make you trust someone that you know at your core you can't trust, someone who isn't worthy of trust, or you haven't done the work to learn how to let go and to trust. But all these other things we put in place will never create that for us because all the research shows over and over that again, it's really about the, the friendship. Are we on the same team? And I I guess I should circle back and talk more about this down the road, but there's a couple things you look for. Um, Being primary, you know, where this person is consistent, available, reliable, responsive. Also, someone who thinks in terms of we and us, which is a true sign of someone really prioritizing this relationship and being, you know, securely attached. Um versus constantly putting themselves first. When we when we see through our partner's behavior that all these other elements come before us, you know, we make bids for their attention and they're not present and they turn away, or they prioritize their needs to the detriment of ours. They don't think in terms of uh, mutual um, benefits when we're trying to resolve problems. It's very understandable that you then question how important you are. And again, we start leaning into our anxiety and setting all these structures in place. But what that does is, is it's a false sense of trust because trust is built based on how we relate and the quality of the relationship we build and how our partners, um, exist within that. And so what happens then is again, we keep going back to the, the, the structure of the relationship to create safety, because we just don't naturally have that between the partners that are involved. Um, and we run, we, we forget that trust is built with attunement, connection, um, how consistently our partner is there and how they respond, which is again why I, always, why I always say it's in times of conflict that we can really determine a level of safety and trust. How the, you know, does the partner step out of the relationship symbolically or literally in those difficult times, or do they lean in and lean towards, are they willing to be vulnerable and to process, or do they lean out and run from that? Um, but again, the rules, the structures, the policing will never, will never guarantee or promise what it is you're looking for. Um, and that's the thing. These are, these are performances. These are, this is performative safety. How how emotionally present are they? Um, because I don't want people to rely on physical presence, and and that comes up sometimes. Where I'll say to a couple, you know, talk to me about how much intimacy you have, and they'll say, oh, well, you know, we live together, we share the same bed, we do a lot of hobbies together, and I'll say, well, that's physical, and that's about proximity. That's awesome, but what kind of emotional availability and presence do they have within that? Um, what is sex like? What is affection like? Do you feel alone when you're with them? Um, do you do you believe they care for you or are there really valid, literal demonstrations of that? And use this as a wake-up call. If, if, if this topic gets you anxious or you're realizing, yeah, I'm always trying to say, who are you with? You know, um, where are you going? When will you be back? And again, you're feeling compelled to go through their phone and things like that. Stop and say to yourself, is any of this actually making me feel more confident or grounded? And the answer is probably no. You might feel a little better temporarily, but you can still feel that anxiety in your stomach. Um, Because again, we want to create an openness and literally just watch how our partners naturally treat us in the relationship to really understand their level of value and respect for it. And in order to do that, we have to let go a little bit. And that's why, again, when we sign like a marital contract, I don't want people to stay in a marriage because it's legally bound or difficult or expensive to exit, but because they want to be. I want them to be there because we've created something worth wanting. It's kind of like good sex. People will have sex if it's worth wanting. People will stay in a relationship if it has high value and it's worth fighting for. And all these other pieces are about keeping, but what's the point of having something if we don't have what we want or feel safe within it? It's just a box that's checked. And that's a misuse of commitment and relationality. It should really be about what we're building and we value what we have. But some people, again, they're not hap- They're never happy. They're always upset about something and they're always anxious. And so they're trying to keep this object, this partner, the relationship, but yet it's making them miserable. And, in, and even though they feel like they need to hold and grip tighter, they actually need to let go and release and then see what happens. And that's what will reflect back, whether or not trust and security is actually there and safety. Sorry, I was looking through a piece of research as I was talking. That's why I was a little disconnected from it. But that's really what it should be about, the reality and the literal. Um, All right, we're gonna keep talking about this. And they'll be doing some DMs. So uh, put some questions, topics, whatever you got in the DMs on our Loveline to G page. We are channelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. That's where you want to go to check out past episodes. Stick around, y'all. More to come. You're listening to Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. More to come. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. All right, y'all, we're back. Switching gears a little bit. Um, I promised someone in the DMs, in my DMs, that I would talk quickly about dealing with differing sex drives. They were like, Dr. Chris, please. And again, a lot of people so lovingly, so vulnerably send questions to my DMs, but unfortunately, I don't have time to answer them. Um, they're never just quick yes and no, and I can't, on my downtime, when I'm needing restorative, restful self-care, be uh, doing therapy. So that's what the show's about. And my books, Sex Outside the Lines and Rebel Love, read them both. A lot of your questions and concerns are answered there, and of course, always here on Love. Love line and past episodes of the show, so you can go back and and, and really listen. Is uh, over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for love line, and click on it, and uh, it's all there. Differing sex drives. Listen, uh, we are not synchronized skaters. We cannot expect our partners to always be into the same things at the same times in the same ways. It just doesn't really work like that, and it doesn't have to. Um, there's a lot of things we can think about and implement in terms of that. So with different sex drives, the first thing is something that I'm trying to work with everyone on, which is expanding your definition of sex. Oh my God, I say this with exhaustion. Please, sex is not just penetration. Sex does not have to even ever include orgasms or or anatomy. Sex is a huge umbrella of things that are sensual and affectionate and pleasurable. We have to let go of the penetration obsession. Because it's not always possible. It's not what we're always interested in. As our healthy, beautiful bodies age, they will, as they're supposed to, lose some functioning, lubrication, ability to get and stay erect in the ways we want. That is natural. That is not an erectile issue. That is not sex tanking. We have to have a fluid, diverse definition. Start now. Otherwise, you're going to panic and your relationship will be negatively impacted. So will your self-esteem if you don't have a better understanding of what sex is about. So expand the definition. I will not agree that that should be the goal. I won't work with clients on that as the goal. I will say we will work on a total definition of sex. We'll work on driving all the things we need, intimacy, pleasure, joy, connection, comfort, self-care, through a multitude of options. But if you're just wanting to focus on penetration, I can't help you because that is Contraindicated that is not ethical and that causes harm. In fact, that is the problem. I'm not going to align with the problem and strengthen it. So if you're not ready for the work to be an adult, then you got to go out there and grow up and struggle more. So we have to expand the definition. So I will work with a client or a couple on, on having more sex in its totality. And we'll start by ignoring the penetrative parts. How can we start by enjoying just generalized touch? Let's start there. So that's the first step. You have to have a more adult, mature understanding of what sex is. If you just think it's about penetration, then you're just doing a performance. It's all about ego. I don't, you have to figure out why is that obsessive for me? Why is that the only goal I have? Why is that that important to me? Am I trying to be normal? Am I trying to be a good wife? Do I think that that's what's necessary for me as a man? Whatever it is, I don't know. Figure it out. But that has to be the starting point start there. Why is it that I'm hanging on and clinging to this definition? Why do I need this so much? What is this about? Because it's not about sex. Because if it was, I'd be cool with anything that's intimate, pleasurable, fun, and connective. Is it tied to my gender? Is it tied to a Trump? Whatever. Figure it out. Then we slide into, <laughs> after that, understanding that when a partner makes a bid for our attention, sexually or non-sexually, We always want to receive it. People come before other things. It's not okay to tell a human being in front of you, especially someone you're in a primary relationship with, to hold on because you're sending an email. Dear God in heaven, don't put a person behind an email. (laughs) Always accept their bid somehow. Now we're talking about sex. You might not be in the mood for whatever it is they're interested or looking for. That's okay, but do something because we don't want to just reject because the more we reject someone, they're going to stop coming to us or they're going to start to internalize shame around their arousal or their desire or themselves. You have to offer something especially if you're in a monogamous relationship. You have committed to that. I will be your partner. I will be in this with you. I will be open to sexuality in some form with you. That's the commitment for monogamy, 100%. So you have to provide something. It's okay for you to say, I don't want penetration, let's do this. It's okay for you to say, I don't want anything that involves anatomy, let's hold hands. It's okay for you to say, let's use a toy, let's masturbate together. Hey, let's do oral, not penetration. Let's let's cuddle and lay together. Let's hold hands and go for a walk. But you have to in some way accept them and receive them. You can even say, you know what? Right now I'm not in the mood, my stomach hurts, but I might be in an hour, let's talk again then. But you have to in some way respond and provide something. Like I said, you might not want eroticism, but you might say let's, let's cuddle. Because a lot of times it's not that someone's even horny, it's that they're bored or lonely or they wanna connect. And so you have to find a way to let them know I see you, I wanna connect with you, I'm here for you, I'm a resource, I'm available, you're important. All of that is tied into our arousal. It's rarely just, I'm horny and I wanna get off. Often again, it's I need to feel seen, I need to feel close, I need to feel cared for, I need co-regulation, I need some soothing. Provide something. Cuddling, hand-holding, talking, walking, oral, let's watch porn together, let's masturbate together, I don't know, I don't care. But you have to say there's something we can do that can try to meet some of these needs. Erotically or non-erotically, you know? You shouldn't ever be watching a show ignoring your partner who's trying to talk to you and connect with you. Pause it. Tell them, let me finish. whatever it is, you know, but again, we don't want to reject people because clients will internalize that rejection and then they'll stop going to their partner because now they think I'm too sexual. My sexuality isn't appropriate or my partner doesn't desire me or my partner doesn't want to connect with me or my partner thinks everything else is more important than me. Why would you want someone you love to internalize a message like that? So it's both. We have to also be a little more resilient and not personalize things. Because usually what's going on with that other person who's rejecting us isn't often about us. But the rejector also has to say, let me start to provide something so rejection isn't even an experience that can be felt or struggled with. Again, as always, we're, we're, we're co-conspirators. As always, we're considering the impact of what we're doing or, or thinking on our partner. You know, There's a lot of great segments I've done on this and in my books. So Sit with all of that, you know. Part of mental health is doing some of our own legwork. Part of mental health is doing some research, some reading, and some thinking. You know, challenging our own ideas. And this is a great opportunity to do that. Um, All right, we'll be back, and uh, then we'll be closing out the show with some DMs. So if you got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, you know how it goes. And past episodes, as I said, are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, and click on it. You can binge, post, listen, and share. And they all kind of let you know what the topics are, so um, go back and spend some time. Because again, it's, it's thinking and practicing and working with, because we're trying to unlearn what we've reinforced and been taught, trying to kind of build in some new perspectives. So it um, takes time. It's all about, oh my gosh, it's all about that repetition, you know, going into our anxiety and repetition. All right, time, uh, we'll be back. Stick around, don't go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline. Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back.
3: Selling a little? <laughs> Or a lot.
2: You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp and refreshing taste. Or if you overcame, two
0: more rooms, two more.
2: you deserve this ice-cold reward. Modelo, the mark fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all. We are back and we're closing out our discussion of how to deal with having different desires within a relationship needs for sex different kinds of sex it's okay it's not a problem don't panic it happens we're two separate people we're not synchronized skaters perfectly aligned at all times in all ways um you know part of being in a long-term relationship is dealing with differences and um, not seeing it as one person wins one person loses but finding mutually beneficial solutions and always considering everything we're thinking and doing as to how it impacts our partner in the relationship and really thinking about terms of a closeness and connection and enhancement so if a partner is making a bid for sex or attention find a way to provide something that says i see you i hear you you're important i might not want sex but we can do something sensual or affection based or i might not want penetration let's do oral or masturbate together or hey i love you i care about you i see you but now is not a great time let's check in later or let's let's go to dinner tonight but in some way say i see you and you're important to me Because usually it's not just about, I want to get off. It's often about, I want to connect, or I feel lonely, or I feel like we have distance and I want to be close. I want intimacy. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful thing. Because remember, especially if you're monogamous, you can't force someone into celibacy. You can't say, I want us to commit to only having sex with each other, but then I'm not going to be available or interested in that. If that's the case, you are not meant to be in a monogamous relationship with that person. The deal we make with monogamy is I will do the work to be available and accessible sexually. And you have to talk about what that means, and what those limits might be. That's part of maturity. Don't just say monogamy as though we're on the same page. You have to talk about what it means, what it is, and what the expectations can be on you within that term and word. So be be transparent, be honest. Talk about it. What's that, what's what have been the successes of monogamy for you in the past? What have been this, the struggles for you in the past? Let your partner know what they're up against. And also you have to learn what your work is within that. You know, where, where do you need to maybe do some changes and shifts in that? Um, cause it's all about just finding ways to provide intimacy and pleasure, but this shouldn't be, um, a domain or a topic within which someone is made to feel bad or alone, right? Like we don't get into relationships to make our lives harder. We go into them to make our lives better, more enhanced. We have care, we have support. We have someone to go through life with. We have someone to mirror back our worth and our value. But sometimes we enter relationships where people aren't doing the work. They're not aware of themselves. And we just create more harm and we reinforce the issues that we needed to be healed because remember relationships are a great place for us to be transformed and for us to see what our work is and to do that work. Singledom is an easy position psychologically and emotionally in a lot of ways because we're not getting triggered, but all of our relational stuff comes up when we're in a relationship and that's where we get to see what the work is and to actually do it, but you have to treat relationships in that way but a lot of times instead we just want it to be perfect. We don't want to be triggered or bothered. We don't want to have to transform or be changed. We want our life to be seamless and be business as usual. And this new person's just dropped in and it doesn't work like that. So be prepared to be disrupted. Be prepared to have struggle and conflict. It's a good sign. How you manage it, it how you manage it is what, is what counts and what, what matters. And we should all be managing it in a way where we're brought closer not where we're pulled apart and separated. If you're managing differences and disappointments and conflict in a way that's always causing separation and and difficulty, you're doing it wrong. We should be getting soft, caring for each other through it, and talking it out. It shouldn't have to be raised voices and harshness. It should be, hey, let's talk through this, let's talk about this, and we'll keep doing that until we both feel comfortable with where we land. Hear my voice, hear my word choice, it should be soft. We're on the same page, we're in this together. We care about each other. And the way you know, the way you track how well it's going is by watching your partner. And if you see them feeling uncared for or upset or let down, you check yourself and you correct yourself as a result of that, which is why I'm always saying we don't have difficult or important conversations via text, email, or on the phone. We do it face to face. And if we can't do it right away, we wait, we wait because our relationship matters more than just getting this out now. And when we do it via email or text, we say harsh things and mean things. And it's our anxiety running it all and um, no impulse control. And we do a lot of damage. And again, I've worked with couples where something is said that can't ever be taken back. And sometimes just one thing needs to be said and it triggers something from our youth or it reinforces something we've always been you know, worried about or maybe none of the above and it's planted in there. And that is a really hard thing to undo, which is why I want people to be in the same room face-to-face. It's a lot harder to be that harsh and mean for most of us when we're face-to-face. Our empathy kicks in more meaningfully. That's why we really shouldn't be sending emails or texts to anyone when we're feeling anxious, angry, or activated because it's not gonna be done relationally with care, compassion, and empathy. It's very easy to dehumanize someone and objectify them when we're not looking at a person in front of us. Eye contact is required for us to really connect and bond and to really build empathy. Harness that in a positive way. Use that information to let our arguments and conflicts be done in a way that enhances our connection, and our closeness, not erodes at and eats away at it makes us feel more unsafe. Fights and conflicts shouldn't be distancing and separating. It should be bonding and enhancing as we learn more about each other, and we take that seriously, and we learn about each other from that. Good relationships, every partner knows the other person. In good relationships, we have the owner's manual of our partner. We understand how to make them feel safe, cared for, and heard. We don't misuse that. We don't weaponize that, you know? They're in our cares, we say. Um, all right. When we come back, we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM, topic, question, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. But uh, stick around. we got a lot to come. Don't go anywhere. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all. We are back. Now it's time to uh, slap into those DMS
0: sliding into the DMS
2: DMS come from our love line IG page questions, topics, put it all in there. This one says, Hey, Dr. Chris, getting married in three months. I realized that I'm starting to feel a little numb and off about all of it. When people ask me about if I'm excited, if I'm happy, if I'm ready, all I do give them a little bit of a uh, generic smile. I was excited. I'm in love, but recently kind of feel myself getting more and more unsure. Uh, is this normal? yes you're making a big deal our identities shift and change when we get married We go from an i and a me to an us and a we everything shifts everything changes it doesn't have to if you've been in a secure relationship until then but there's now the you know you're signing a contract you are creating a legal and social identity shift and obligation um don't don't panic over that you know there's a reason why i want to believe there's a reason why you've said okay to this to the engagement and to the marriage give it a chance see how it goes I don't believe there's any red flags or deal breakers, um, but you're feeling the severity and the symbolism socially, um, legally, financially, of what you're about to step into. But don't panic. (sighs) I don't know what else to say. I don't know much more, you know? Let's go to another DM. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline. I'm kind of in a little bit of a problem with one of my friends. He fell in love with me. He told me about it. I'm very open and honest. It was great. I appreciated it. However... I don't feel the same. There's the bomb, bomb, bomb. Uh, Now, I feel like we can't just hang out. See, I answered a question like this before. I get a lot of repeat questions, y'all. So these questions sound familiar because it's a lot of the same things that we cycle through. Um, I don't remember when I talked about this, but I think I was sharing with you, maybe I didn't share this part last time I answered something like this, but um, I was talking to a friend about this and we were both kind of acknowledging how it would make us feel uncomfortable to some extent if someone who we thought we were friends with this whole time then confessed love out of nowhere because it can lead you to redefine what's been going on this whole time and make that intimacy built feel unsafe. And I've said this probably around topics like this, that sometimes what has made us be able to be close and have our relationship work is because of the style and configuration around which we kind of built it. And so just because something feels good as friends doesn't mean we should try for more. Um, just because things feel good as a friends with benefits doesn't mean we should try for more because then the rules and expectations change. They shouldn't again, as I always say, we should offer our romantic partners, the same freedom and leeway we give our friendships, but we tend to not. And so it can create more intensity and that can sometimes kill the relationship. So, um, let me go back to your question. You said, I don't, I I told them I don't feel that way. I feel like we can't hang out. Um, you said, I feel sometimes like I'm backed into a corner. It's a little unfair Why do I have to change to? Yeah, I appreciate what you're saying. Yeah, you don't feel safe or comfortable anymore, but does this person have poor boundaries with you? Because, in theory, if you have a deep friendship, maybe they're confused about how close that deep friendship feels. Not everyone's used to deep friendships. And so they somehow maybe romanticize or eroticize that and get confused. Or, in fact, maybe they do have erotic feelings for you. You know, I have a few more questions about this, but in theory, I wouldn't want you to have to feel unsafe moving forward. So that tells me that maybe they're kind of acting that out somehow. So maybe you need to clarify, I'm definitely not interested in that and I need us to hold different kinds of boundaries. Um, But unfortunately, if they're pushing and pushing and that's what they're really going for, you might not be able to continue to have a friendship. So they might've ruined it with that, which again is why I always say, if you're friends, keep it at friends. Um, It can be a very unfair disclosure that can be very confusing and reorient the history and the current. So just make sure it's worth it. I don't agree that we don't we should always tell someone or go for that. There's a thousand questions I always have people use before they make those decisions. So I'm sorry that happened. Um, that kind of stuff is highly unfortunate. <laughs> oh man, um, I know it gets very confusing. Um, not everyone, like I said, is very familiar with the fact that friendships can have some of these pieces that we sometimes leave for romantic relationships and that that doesn't have to mean anything other than we have a lot of depth. Uh, God bless. Hang in there. See how it goes. <laughs> Just communicate better. Set those boundaries. Um, all right. If you got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveland IG page. Questions, things you want us to hit, circle back to, drop deeper into. Um, we are chattelq.com. That's where you want to go to check out past episodes. Scroll down, click on it, binge, post, re-listen, and share. Spend the rest of the night focused on, uh, you know, kindness, softness. We're dropping the bar for ourselves and for those around us. Build in some uh, pleasure, joy, you know, rest a little bit, leisure. That's what we should be building into our lives. So build that in. Plan it for tomorrow as well. Um, But join us. We'll be back. As always, thanks for hanging out, y'all. You enjoy the rest of your night. Good night, everybody.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.